Activist Radio is on the air. You've tuned into the Mark Harrington Show. Sponsored by Created Equal. Time is running out for our nation. I beg of you, you need to stand against the evil that's plaguing our nation. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. Like, you kill a baby fetus, the same thing as killing any old inanimate object. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders. people it's your movement now it's not your parents anymore the blood that is shed cries out to god from the ground for justice and now here's mark well hello friends thanks for tuning in mark harrington here your radio activist coming to you on the mark harrington show and Folks, if you want to find out more about the program, go to MarkHarringtonShow.com. I'm uh, broadcast over my uh, podcasting platforms, all the popular ones, as well as streamed on my social media platforms as well. And you can find out more about us, again, by going to MarkHarringtonShow.com. Uh, we have a lot of archived programs there. And the, the point of my program is really to talk about those unsung, uh, I don't call them heroes because none of us are, unsung warriors of the pro-life movement. Stories from the present and from the past. And so consistent with that today, we're going to be talking to Joan and Chris Bell about their story, their history uh, in the pro-life movement. And that involved a lot of Operation Rescue. We're going to talk about why, uh, particularly why Joan was willing to spend serious time in jail and prison to defend unborn babies. Uh, interesting enough, there was a rescue, and we'll talk about what that is, just last week on the 5th of March in Nashville, Tennessee. So this isn't just a thing of the past, folks. There are people currently who are risking arrest to defend unborn babies, to stand in the gap, to interpose, if you will, between the oppressor and the oppressed, to sacrifice their lives, if necessary, for the unborn. And that's why we want to talk to Joan and Chris today. So, uh, Joan and Chris, thanks for being on the program today. It's an honor. Thank you so much, Mark. Yes, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Well, we've known each other for years, and uh, we run on, into each other here and there, and just saw you folks up in uh, Chicago for the uh, the funeral of uh, you know our champion uh, Joe Scheidler, and it was a a very solemn event, but a very great event to celebrate the life of a. a, a and I can't call Joe Scheidler a hero. I think he was <laughs> many many years, thirty years in the work. So uh, I don't like to use that word uh, very often because I don't think any of us are heroes when it comes to this because the babies are still dying. But we, we uh, Joe Shidler, Joe Shidler was one of those, one of the kind, one of the kind. So it was good seeing you guys up there. So uh, here's what I'd like to do. I want to take some time talking about uh, your story, Joan, and uh, bring that kind of up to speed to where we are today when it comes to rescues. So if you would take us a little bit back into memory lane. Uh, when you first decided that you wanted to 
uh, rescue. And if you would explain what that meant. Well, when I was 24 years old, when mm -hmm. um, abortion was pseudo legalized, you cannot really truly legalize murder. So it was a right. false legalization. I felt like I was transported to Nazi Germany. Because I had read a lot about the Nazi Holocaust against the Jews and, and Christians mm -hmm. um, when I was a teenager and all. So I was just stunned. I, I was shocked that this country that was such a godly country, I thought, could do mm -hmm. such a thing. And immediately I thought I'll be spending the rest of my life in jail because mm -hmm. I could not. I knew I could not face God when I died if I didn't do everything I could to try to save his little children to the best of my ability. And I always felt the best, the only way you can really do that is to, as you were saying earlier, interpose yourself. You go directly and like, try to block the killing. And I thought at that time it would be to um, sneak into an abortion mill, get in at night maybe through a window, and disarm the murder weapons. And actually, I went to Chicago in 73 to try to do that, but I just couldn't figure out. I wasn't a very smart kid, <laughs> young person. I didn't figure out how to do that, but I felt very bad. And then I did find out a movement was growing. So I started doing sidewalk counseling and all the rest, but my heart was always broken. We have to, so what, to just to just to set the stage. What what year was it? So was it was it the nineteen seventy three? So it was the handing down of Roe v. Wade that brought Absolutely. you uh, what oh, made yes. you aware of this? Well, I was naive. I didn't know anybody was militating for legalizing the murder of children. I, I just, I was so shocked when, the, the, you know, that horrific decision, you know, murderous right. decision was made. And and then I didn't hear, I thought, where is this, where is everybody in, who taken to the streets, all the bishops, the priests, the, all the Christians, all their Jews, everybody, why aren't we taken to the streets? People of goodwill. Why aren't we saying no way? There was a silence. And that shocked me and broke my heart. And that's why I felt, well, I just have to do what I have to do. And, and so what, 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 what motivated you to, to think about doing that first? That is to go into the facilities themselves and disarm the murder weapons, i.e. the uh, suction equipment or whatever equipment they were using. Why was it that? Why wasn't it like, you know, lobby Congress or something? <laughs> you know, or... Because babies started dying that day. There were, I found out later. Mm -hmm that mm -hmm. that they had um, already orchestrated, had places ready to open immediately. And the killing started immediately. I knew babies were dying right then and there. And when- What state were you in, Joan? What Tennessee, state were you in? Tennessee. Oh, okay. A little farming community in uh, Lewisburg, right outside Nashville. So, so you're 24 I, years old and you begin to go into these places Take us from there. I mean, you did you go in? Did you ever get in at night, or you went during the day, or what? And what I, did you I, well, I knew if you went to go during the day, one person. There's no. I didn't think there's any way you could get in. So I thought uh -huh. about trying to do it at night, and and um, but because I, I couldn't do. In fact, I got picked up by the police in Chicago, and they they questioned me, and all I did is tell them I I had been at a convent because <laughs> I I worked with an extern nun in St. Louis when my sister was in the Carmelites. So that's all I told them, because that was my last address. And they kept calling me the runaway nun. <laughs> and um, yeah. well, I, I, they held me for a few days and then let me go. They didn't know what I was up to. They just knew I was, I pretended I was homeless. 
because I wasn't going to tell anybody. I didn't want my family to be involved. I was never going to give my real name. When I got arrested, I was just going to be like a baby doe type thing. Were you married at the time? No, no, I was single. You hadn't met Chris yet. I hadn't met Chris. I was 43 when we got married. So I met him when I was. So 24 years old, uh, beginning to rescue. What did it look like back then? Well, shortly after that, then I did begin to hear it. I know I've been a Catholic. In the church, they started handing out literature. They started trying to organize mm-hmm. politically. So I got involved in all that, um, giving talks in churches, um, going to killing centers and praying and sidewalk counseling. All of that started. But when I heard about rescue, the first time I heard about rescue was in the late 70s, uh, 78. And I finally said, this is the way to do it. This is the best way. Go directly to where the babies are dying. Get in. You know, get and be totally nonviolent. I always believed in total nonviolence. I was a pacifist, even though mm-hmm. I accept church teaching that you can defend yourself and others. You know, mm-hmm. I never wanted to ever kill anyone or hurt anyone. So um, I got involved in the rescue movement as soon as. So I Operation this. Rescue, if you would explain that, was that with, uh, was Randall Terry doing it at the time or was no, that, were there he others? Didn't start, he didn't start until, um, I think it was, 88 or 87, yeah. 88, okay. 88. So I got involved with a St. Louis group and John Cameron O'Keefe in Maryland. And, 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 and okay. we brought it to Delaware, we brought it to Pennsylvania. We, um, so explain exactly them. what that would look like. What, what was a rescue? Well, they were called sit-ins at that time. Uh, it was okay. Jack O'Brien that coined it as saying, no, we're not just doing a sit-in. We are trying to rescue real little baby boys and girls. It's a rescue. And he coined that around, I think it was uh, maybe 84, 83, something like that. Yeah, which is taken from Proverbs 24, of course. Yes, exactly. We rescue those being led away to death. Yes. Right. So basically, we would get into the building. Um, in the early days, you'd hide in maybe in the bathroom of a killing center. Mm-hmm. And then um, um, at the right time, if any girls went to the back to the killing rooms, you would block the doors to the killing rooms. You pray, you hand out literature, um, okay. tell the girls where they could get help, and the mo- and talk to the moms and dads. Just plead with them and with the, to the um, plead with your uh, abortion personnel to please cease the killing. And we show pictures of the babies. Uh, the trash can and uh, the Canadian teaching hospital had all the little babies um, stuffed into the uh, black garbage bags and the other pictures of aborted babies, you know, because so shocking that that people claim they don't know these are babies and that they're true human beings. In fact, we had, you know, Wilkie's book. Um, Jack Wilkie's book. Jack yeah. Wilkie's um, um, book, his incredible yes. book, Handbook on Abortion had so much information about how even in the first trimester at eight weeks, you can educate the baby in the womb to show they see a thinking human being. Like they, they do a little buzzer and then prick the baby, buzz and prick, buzz and prick, and then buzz without pricking, and the baby would recoil in anticipation of the, of the prick. This was early on in the 70s. So for people right. to say this day and age, they don't know it's a true baby, a sentient human being, is an insanity, a denial. Right. Of truth. right. Back then, they might have been able to claim that. 
I'm talking to uh, Joan and Chris Bell, uh, and you can find out more by going to find out more about their work. You can go to goodcounselhomes.org. That's goodcounselhomes.org. Joan Andrews Bell has been arrested over 100 times. We want to talk about that in the course of about two decades. Uh, We're going through her story today and spent some time in prison. In fact, up to two years. We want to talk about that, blocking entrances to abortion centers and uh, really pricked the conscience of America leading to the uh, Operation Rescue Movement in the, eight, in the 1980s and 90s. Uh, Joan, you're also the uh, subject of some uh, books. Uh, you Reject Them, You Reject Me, The Prison Letters of Joan Andrews Bell. That would be a good one for people to pick up. Or I Will Never Forget You, The Rescue Movement in the Life of Joan Andrews. Uh, Joan, let me, I, I want to pull back a little bit and just because people are thinking, well, okay, weren't you breaking the law by going in and doing this? Uh, what uh, what made it okay, I guess, for you to say, I'm going to go in and risk arrest, because I assume you were arrested when you went in and do, the, do these things. Yes. What was it that possessed, what, what, what was it that convinced you that it was uh, morally right, it was okay, ethically, to go in and, and break the law to rescue the babies inside the facility? Why couldn't you just stand outside on the sidewalk? Yeah. Well, standing outside is good. It's a good and beautiful right. thing, and you do affect people. But when children are dying, you know, yeah. um, you have to do more. You have to right. do, if you're putting your mind, if they were killing five-year-olds, what would you do? Exactly. The babies were crying out. John Cameron, I mean, um, John Ryan said it most beautifully, I think. He said, if mm-hmm. I were going to be great, I mean, brought in to be killed, I'd be happy someone was there saying, please don't kill them. We will help you. We will take them in. We'll, we'll adopt them. We'll, we'll take care of them. You don't have to kill them. But I still would want someone to do more. My heart would be breaking. I'd be scared to death. My heart would be beating. Right. And then right. I would want someone to say, no, you cannot do it and block my killing and just say, no, absolutely no. And, and, so when, and when did you meet Chris then? So you're, you're beginning to do these rescues. When did you meet your husband? I, we met in um, 1988. Um, okay. Before I got out of prison, he, he brought me um, the Blessed Sacrament when I was in prison. He was a Eucharistic minister. And my okay. sister told him that what I wanted most while I was in prison was to receive our Lord, which I rarely got to do in prison because mm-hmm. I was in solitary confinement most of the time. So let's talk about that experience. Uh, you began to do these rescues regularly, I assume, about 1978. Yeah. Yes. Uh, when did you first go to prison or jail? Um, well, and how well, long I, were you in? Um, the first time um, was only for a few weeks and a few days in the beginning. Um, I first got arrested in St. Louis and um, um, and by the time I met Chris, I had already, uh, I had just gone out of jail after a two and a half year sentence. I mean, it was a five year sentence, but halfway through, a lot of people were writing the governor. And because I I did something in jail that um, was kind of new, I guess, through the, the rescue movement was I would not cooperate. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to drag me through the whole system. And I did that because it dawned on me very strongly that we could not have legalized murder. And the reason it's not breaking the law, uh, no government 
can legally right. legalize and murder uh, people. Like in Nazi Germany, it was legal, so-called legal to murder the Jews. They were decreed legally to be enemies of the state. So if you help the Jew escape or get a Jew, you were committing not only um, uh, breaking the law, but you were committing treason. And yet good mm -hmm. Christians and good people of conscience still rescued Jews and broke the mm -hmm. so-called law because it's never legal to murder an innocent person. Right. And so you innocent. were in, so you had a five-year sentence, but you only, only, you served two and a half years. Is yes. that right? Yes. And, and um, you were not married at the time. No, right. I, I just okay. turned 40 when I was in jail. So I was praying that God would send me a holy husband so we could have money children <laughs> so badly. <laughs> well, she did. He did that. All right. He, did. <laughs> he certainly did that. So let's talk about that, uh, Chris, if you would. I know, and I want to get back to what's currently happening with Red Rose Rescues and rescuing in uh, Nashville. But after meeting Joan uh, and knowing what she had been up to, <laughs> you might. You must have been wondering, am I ever going to see my wife? <laughs> well, when I but first you married her, her, you married her anyway. Yeah, yeah. When I first met her, I thought, you know, she, she must be a saint because who else would stay in, in prison and uh, and so joyful? She was so happy and she wasn't concerned with her own well-being, uh, even though uh, when I saw her, she was able to have a visit. But most of her prison time in Florida, she was not. And wow. you can only imagine, right, how difficult that is. So what did she do? She prayed. She said she never had a better prayer life than when she was in solitary confinement. Um, and, and her prayer, you know, obviously was answered. She wanted to get married. So uh, we got married. Uh, but uh, and, and I, how long was she in solitary confinement? Because I don't think I want people to really understand the magnitude of this. Today, we think about that like. That would be like unbearable. Well, well, Mark, uh, we don't want to frighten everybody, you know, away. Uh, you know, at least uh, you get into Red Rose Rescue and stuff. You know, today, right. thankfully, right now, um, most people are not. You know, if you do something this dramatic, this direct to help the children, you you won't be thrown into solitary. But Joan literally right. was in uh, solitary confinement for two years. Uh, technically, you're only allowed to be there thirty days. Uh, so. They would drag her out on the 29th day. They say, are you going to cooperate now? And she would say, no, I'm not going to participate in you unlawfully jailing me. And they bring her back. And then after a while, they just kept her there and just would ask her, do you want to come out? And she'd say, no. It's not that she didn't want to come out, but she wasn't willing to participate in what they were doing to her. Remember, when we talk about the law right now, especially we Christians have to recognize we are talking about positive law, positive law mm -hmm. meaning man's law, meaning a lot of the law that's on the books is against God. It's against mm -hmm. godly ways. It's against marriage. It's against family. It's against life. So those right. laws, as Thomas Aquinas said, as, as many good Christians said throughout the centuries, man cannot make an unjust law if he's following God's ways. And if he does, right. it's not legitimate. And if we don't start to stand, I mean, we should have been, we are standing up. There are good people. There must be mm -hmm. at least 10 good people in the United States mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. otherwise we're no better than Sodom and Gomorrah. And, right. and what we're doing now on scales is, is way off the chart. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah could not have dreamed of such evil, but we are doing it and it's all around us in the killing of the innocent and the destruction of the family. I mean, you know like, this, I presume your, your listeners know this. And, and now what are we going to do about it? Well, we can't just right. go along with our lives. 
Right. I'm talking to Joan and Chris Bell. You can find out more about their ministry by going to goodcouncilhomes.org, goodcouncilhomes.org. Uh, this is such a short time together, uh, Chris and uh, Joan, that we, we're going to have to move on. But uh, if you would, Chris, tell us what you're doing with Good Council Homes. I mean, for, first of all, after she was done with her two and a half year sentence, you married, right? Well, we and didn't then, marry right away, but it was a few years later. Yes, we did. Okay. And then when did you found Good Council Homes and what is it? So Good Council began before I met Joan uh, in okay. 1985. We opened up actually on March 10th in 1985 to help homeless, pregnant and parenting mothers and babies. And okay. now we have four homes in New York, New Jersey. We have a national helpline. Uh, any pregnant woman, regardless of her immigration status, regardless of her mental health, addiction issues, or age, or, or location, if she uh, is able to come to our home, we will take her in. And um, and, and that's the mission, right? It's to What help. a great work. What a great work. So, uh, Joan, let's fast forward to current uh, modern day right now, a Red Rose Rescue. You have actually been doing those. You've been participating in those as well currently. Those started several years ago. If you would, Mr. Producer, put up the website for Red Rose Rescue. And if you would, uh, uh, Joan, tell us what that is. It's a little different, but it's similar. It's great. Right? Yeah, it is definitely rescue. Um, Dr. Monica Megalirino-Miller and my husband Chris spoke um, about five years ago, four years ago. And um, said there needs to be, we need to have rescue. Children have to be directly rescued. It, it's imperative. In fact, during the rescue movement, where thousands of people were being arrested in the 80s and 90s, um, we have a friend, um, Joan Appleton. She was, uh, right. yep. she led in a, 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 an abortion mill. She was a director of an abortion mill. Uh, but she had a conversion. But she said at that time when, the rescue movement was where thousands of people would get arrested that the abortion people, the abortion um, movement. movement thought it was ended. They said, it's going to end. It's going to, the whole, uh, uh, the abortion industry is going to collapse because of rescue. That's how powerful rescue was. And then I don't know if it was the law, the face law that came down that stopped it, where one just stopped rescuing or, Maybe some of the leaders got married, started having kids. I don't know what it was, but it's heartbreaking that it didn't go on. So Monica understood, and you know, many of us from the former rescue. We've got about a minute left, just so you know, Joan. So. Yeah, that, that we had to continue to rescue. But people don't non-cooperate in jail, so you don't do the long jail sentences. And But it's a great movement. We have Father um, Badellas involved. Who's, who's one of the leaders. It's a tremendous movement. And it's very simple. You walk into the abortion mill with a rose, your hand to mm-hmm. the mother, and you right. ask her uh, to get help. You know, we right. can- And the, the, the difference is you're not, just so you know, right. folks, you're not, you're not blocking access to the door. You're not uh, destroying equipment. You are actually in there in solidarity with the women to hand out a rose to counsel inside the abortion center itself in the waiting room, so to speak in the hopes that you can turn women away, right? And then if if it leads to arrest, it leads to arrest, but otherwise that's not the point. Yeah, the the, the reason it would only lead to arrest is that once, even if they take the mothers away, put her in a back room or something, you don't leave because you're in solidarity with the little baby 
as long as a baby's life is in danger, you refuse to leave and you get arrested because you refuse to leave. Right. And you get dragged So, out. folks, if you want to find out more, go to Red Rose Rescue. Uh, dot com. I think it is redrosedrescue.com. Yes. So if you want to find out more about this, uh, the current movement, uh, the rescue movement, if you will, that's been uh, revitalized by Monica Miller, my good friend. Uh, you can find out more and you can find out more about the, uh, the work of Good Council Homes by going to goodcouncilhomes.org. And folks, we're going to make this available to you today. This is Monica's book, Monica Miller's book, Abandoned, The Untold Story of the Abortion Wars. If you want to get this book, you can give us a gift of $50. We'll send it to you. Uh, just go to markharringtonshow.com, click on the donate link, give $50. We'll send you this book. To me, this is one of the best, if not the best books on abortion. It's not a, really an apologetics book per se, but it's a story of the abortion wars in the early days, the days when Joan Andrews Bell was out doing what we've been talking about today, and that is some of the Operation Rescue Tactics, among other things. Very inspiring. I mean, believe me, when I read this, it made me want to go out and start rescuing right away. But uh, there's a lot of things that can be uh, continued to do that are outlined in her book. So you can get this by going to MarkHarringtonShow.com and just click on the donate link and give $50 and we'll send it to you. Uh, Joan and Chris, thanks for being on the program. You're an inspiration to everybody in our movement. We we thank you for your sacrifice, even in the past and in the current. We appreciate you being on the program today. You've been Mark listening Harrington. to the Mark Harrington Show. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless God America. Bless and remember America to bless God. <laughs> You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil. plague in America, Call Created Equal at 614-269-7808. That's 614-269-7808. Or go online to createdequal.net. Createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.